So I'm going to start with bleeding in pregnancy or bleeding during pregnancy. Uh, bleeding in pregnancy is abnormal. Once we have, once we have fertilization, that should end bleeding in bleeding or our regular menses should be ended with fertilization. Once we have an egg cells and the sperm cells come together to form a fertilized egg, that, that should end bleeding, bleeding or spotting or menses. So whenever we have menses or during our regular pregnancy time, that simply means we are having some abnormal problems, some abnormal conditions. So the conditions that lead to bleeding in pregnancy would be our concern today. Now, we look at the first one in the first trimester. I look at in the first trimester. So in the first trimester, we have bleeding. That's the bleeding in pregnancy in the first trimester. What um, do we what we look for in the first trimester? Now, in the first trimester, when we experience bleeding in the first trimester. Um, we must look out for spontaneous abortion and tubal pregnancy. So one would be spontaneous abortion, spontaneous abortion, and uh, ectopic pregnancy. These are the two major problems that will lead to bleeding during pregnancy. Now, for spontaneous abortion, we said abortion, when we define the GTPAL, we said abortion is any pregnancy that is terminated below 20 weeks. So any delivery less than 20 weeks of gestation is regarded as abortion or miscarriage. Now, so most of our bleeding are going to occur in the first trimester of our pregnancy up to the 20th week could be based on abortion or it could be fallopian tube pregnancy um now we also talk about viability we said viability is any pregnancy that did not reach 20 weeks oh uh, i'm sorry any pregnancy above 20 weeks is required is regarded as Pregnancy that has a better chance of survival, which is viability. So viability means chance of survival of a baby that has crossed 20 weeks of pregnancy in the mother's uterus. That is what we call viability. So anything below 20 weeks, it is less than viability. If we had that as a baby, it considered as abortion or miscarriage. There are different types of abortion classified according to different symptoms so you can go ahead and look at those abortion types you have missed abortion inevitable abortion incomplete abortion threatened abortion and complete abortion there are different types they are in the sunder so we can look them up and make sure we know their symptoms and how they start they occur now so those are things that might cause us to have bleeding in pregnancy in the first trimester now for the next one would be um tumor pregnancy when when uh, because normally an egg and, and a sperm cells will meet and they will find their way through the fallopian tube 
around what we call the ampulla in the fallopian tube is where we have pregnancy occur or fertilization occurring. Now, in this area, so we're going to have it like this. There are two tubes, left and red tube with the ovaries and other things attached. Now, in these tubes, we have um, fertilization occurring. So, fertilization occurs somewhere around here. After the occurrence of fertilization, the fertilized egg moves towards the uterus. It finds itself in the endometrium. There where it lies until it grows into zygote. It goes into, uh, first it goes into blastula or, or, or go to zygote, go to fetus, then it, then it gets ready to, uh, to be expelled. That's how it works. Now, in the case of actual pregnancy, um, when fertilization occurs in this tube, and the fertilized egg does not move towards the uterus, it stays in here and begins to grow. So this portion, it gets to grow bigger, bigger, bigger. It's what we refer to as being pregnant in the tube. And in here, it's going to cause serious bleeding problem. With time, we begin to bleed, 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 bleed. So whenever we have bleeding in pregnancy, we also think about tubal pregnancy. Now, so these are things that we're going to see. Um, in this tubal pregnancy, we want to make sure that uh, we would know the symptoms for tubal pregnancy. There are symptoms. There are seven symptoms for tubal pregnancy. Can someone name me some of the symptoms? Cramps. Yeah. Cramps. Or cramps. Cramps. Yes. No. There will be severe cramps or pains occurring. And how do you how do you describe the pains? Because take for example, someone might have PID pains, and still and still think it is uh it it is it is tubal pregnancy pain if we do not know the, the rare assessment findings. So how can we describe this assessment finding for pains? Or cramps in the case of a, a tubal pregnancy. <clears throat> so in here, <clears throat> there is we call it a unilateral, unilateral stabbing pain, stabbing pains in the lower segment of the abdomen or in the lower abdominal region. That defines the pains we will feel in um, tubal uh, pregnancy. Now the pain begins in that uh, in that area. It remains in there in the lower abdominal quadrant. It delayed for one to two weeks. Then will begin to have lighter than usual irregular menses. Now the menses we're gonna have here will have menses, but this menses are gonna come in when we're having tubal pregnancy. The color, the redness appears lighter compared to our regular menses. That's one thing I want, I want to note on tubal pregnancy symptoms. Another thing is, um, with time, with time, as time goes on and on and on, the lightness will change to different discoloration. Then we'll have dark color. So it will change to dark. It, will, it, will, it might get skinty. It will be dark red or brown spotting. So it's gonna be skinty. Sometimes it might be skinty. It might be dark red, um, dark dark red spotting. You sort of feel that because now, 
the blood is becoming like black getting to change color to dark red because the blood is coming from the place that is supposed it's not supposed to come from that area it's, it's not a fresh blood it's a blood that has been there for a longer time now it has it, it, it tried to find to find its way out of where it is through diffusion so that, that that's what happening in here so they will have this uh blood trying to find a way to come out at which time it will change color to white dark red blood that this will last up to eight weeks it will last up to six to eight weeks then um then it will begin to rupture so it will last up to six to eight weeks then it, then then the tube will rupture that's what happened in here now after that they will start to have refer shoulder pain when the tube rupture they will have because the tube will get swollen up it will burst now when the tube burst the dark red blood will escape the tube it will escape the tube and finds its way into the peritoneum cavity into the peritoneum cavity now this peritoneal cavity will bring in another symptoms then they will have a referred a referred they will have a referred shoulder pain and that's when we have shoulder pain coming in when we're having pregnancy or when we get pregnant when we're having a tumor pregnancy so the shoulder pains will be due to the blood that escaped from the uh from the fallopian tube into the peritoneal cavity in, into the abdominal region this will cause us to have refer shoulder pains now this refer shoulder pains we're going to have um it will also irritate the diaphragm and the phrenic nerve so so the refresh of that pain will cause us to have the rupture and things happening in here then we're going to have a hemorrhage and shock so we so the patient will become dizzy so so we'll have dizziness because they are having blood loss we'll have fainting they might be they might, they might, they might, they might be fainting and then we're going to have a shock or hemorrhage so we might have hypovolemic shock or hemorrhagic shock occurring this can this will have a just hemorrhage which will lead to hypovolemic shock that's why it is good to know these symptoms to know what is happening to the patient so that's how we can that, that's how it occur and then we'll have hypotension as because we're having hypovolemia we're going to have a tach, uh we're going to have pylor and we're going to have tachycardia these are things we're going to see with epileptic pregnancy now if patient arrive at the hospital in this situation what the nurse will want to do for the patient first what test can we order for our patients first with these symptoms and why we order that test what test what test can we order first lena so you are you were you were you were you were you were the nurse at the at the doctor clinic and a patient came to you that uh, oh yes um i'm having dark red vaginal bleeding and i'm having lower abdominal pains i feel dizzy my eyes is turning i want to fall i can't see anybody and i'm having a referred pain i'm having a pain that coming towards my shoulder now we've understood that this all this thing that she's showing she's telling us they are all linked to pregnancy in the tube now what test will you want to do first with these symptoms and why 
So we move ahead to do the HCG test. Now the HCG test, we want to do this test because it determines whether the person is still pregnant or not. That's what happening. Now, this test will be done to rule out whether the pregnancy is still is still there or not. Because sometimes she could have this uh these symptoms and still be pregnant. The, pregnant, the pregnancy can still be in the tube. So we'll do them and see what's happening. Um, we can go ahead and do some transvaginal ultrasound, which to show that the, the uterus is empty to also confirm if the uterus is empty and she's having positive HCG, then we've confirmed that she's having ectopic pregnancy. Because in the pregnancy, there will be HCG in the urine, but the uterus will remain empty because the baby is lying within the tube. Then the next thing we're going to have in there is um, we can do a lot of... Now, in the bleeding, in the vaginal bleeding occurring, do not... You, you cannot do vaginal examination with your vaginal examination. So, uh, vaginal examination is contraindicated with what? Bleeding in prayer, with inner bleeding condition. Because when you put your hand in there to check, to do PV, you're just going to cause more problem. So, it should only be done once a while, if it's necessary, unless it is it is recommended by the doctor, that this should be done to know for particular reason, but it, it, it is not good to do PV or vaginal examination when the patient already having bleeding. Any question? Now, for the management, we'll give methotrexate, we'll, we'll administer methotrexate, which I talked about the other day, methotrexate. We can do salpingectomy, salpingectomy, uh, removal of the fallopian tube. That can be done. We can administer, we can do other medical management uh, if rupture has not occurred. And we can preserve the tube by doing other procedure. We can do laparoscopic sapegectomy. We can do uh, this procedure to remove the tube if the tube has rupture. Now, if the tube has rupture, then we can do laparoscopic sapegectomy. If the tube has not rupture, we can preserve the tube. We can do other management to preserve the tube, like a sapingostomy. So we'll do sap. Sarpingostoma, sarpingostoma. If the tube has not rupture, we'll do this procedure. If the tube has rupture, then we'll do laparoscopic um, sapedectomy. Any question? Any question? So we'll make sure. But you said if the tube has not ruptured, we do sapengoscopy. Yes, sapengoscopy. Uh, to preserve the tube. If the tube has ruptured, we do laparoscopic sapengectomy. So we go in and provide referral for a clinic and partner to pregnancy loss support group. If uh, we obtain this ACD test and the progesterone level, we do the liver and the renal function studies, the CBC, the type and cross, the type. Now, in this situation, we'll also do RH test. We'll also do the RH. We'll also do 
that uh, car, uh, we also do the clear fire break test. We can go ahead and do other direct or indirect comb test because there will be blood mixturing occurring. So we're gonna do that. If it is, we'll administer the RH or uh, the Rokam D medication. In the second trimester, bleeding occurs when we have some molar pregnancy or some trophoblastic condition. Some trophoblastic, trophoblastic condition. What are some of the examples? Like fibroid, right? Like fibroid or like a molar pregnancy or some myomite or some growth or tumor in the, in the, in the uterus, we're going to have bleeding. Now, in this condition, um, when you have two things in the in the uterus at the same time, and uh, the body is not providing, like when you have two babies and it's not in the uterus, our body will provide support for the for the babies. If you have three, four, or five, or even eight, the body will provide support for because all the baby will have different percentage. Uh, uh, they will have some means. Of survival now but in the case of trophoblastic condition like fibroid the fibroid is growing from the bed from the bed of the uterus from the endometrium that where it's growing from it has nothing like a core it has nothing like a placenta attached to it to live by now for that reason it is competing with the fetus in utero so that competition will lead to uh, bleeding so it will gonna cause it will suppress the baby it will grow faster because of so many hormones that are being produced that will keep it growing compared to the baby or to the fetus. Now, with that happening, this will cause suppression on the placenta. The, 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 the placenta will become swollen up. It will get swollen up and it will burst. When it bursts, you will start to have bleeding in some two of pregnancy. You have bleeding in this second trimester of pregnancy. Now, with this bleeding, um, there will be a great leg cluster. There will be a uh, fluid-filled uh, pieces in the in uh, in the uterus, and the embryo will not develop. That is, the fetus will not will not develop. Then we will have uh, two 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 things in there occurring. It is not important to note that I have nothing, there are two kind of molar pregnancy, but it's not important. What I want to know, I just know that uh, second trimester. In most cases, we feel this when we are having. We receive, uh, let, 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 let me say this way, in second trimester, we, uh, we, we encounter bleeding when we are having uh, some fibro or some trophoblastic condition occurring at the same time while we have the fetus we carry in the uterus. Those two things happen at the same time. Now, with this happening, um, the bleeding will appear differently compared to the bleeding in the first trimester. In color, it will be different. Now let's look at the color of blood that's going to come in second trimester. Now in the second trimester, we are going to have a bleeding that will look like prune juice. You know prune juice, right? Prune juice. Uh, the prune juice you drink to move your bowel, right? Prune juice. So the color will appear like prune juice. So the bleeding in second trimester will look like prune juice, like a dark color bleeding or dark color of blood. That's not going to happen. So it will look like prune juice, like black, but it's not really black. It will be over like brown. It's not really brown. It's between like a, like you see the clear dark darkness, but it will be in the color of prune juice. So prune juice will be seen here, and dark red color will be seen in the case of a, 
in the case of of of, of tumor pregnancy um this can be a very profuse bleeding which will lead to anemia and then the patient can have preeclampsia in 24 weeks of pregnancy with this complication so the the most definitive procedure would do for this patient would do an ultrasound an ultrasound will detect the fetus in utero plus another another object or another uh, uh, mass in the uterus so so we'll see two things in the uterus we'll see a fetus and we'll see a mass in the uterus then when we see a fetus the ultrasound is so clear it will tell that this is a fetus the other one is not a fetus because in ultrasound we can determine the patient's the, 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 the fetus sex and other things um then this we can do uh, suction keratish we'll go in and do like dnc We'll do we'll do the we'll do the section of the of the mold. So we we'll go in, we we'll evacuate the entire mold. So that 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 can be done. Then after the after the surgery, like I said, every blood procedure is done during pregnancy. That will call to, to do blood procedure. We must check for the woman RH uh level or status. If she's RH negative, we'll go ahead and administer the Rogam D medication, the Rogam D immunoglobulin. So we'll do that for the patient because once she's RH negative, she must have the chance of getting one uh, erythroblastosis fetalis. So we'll do that. Then we'll check for the um, we'll check for uh, we'll check for the HD level uh, at least every three weeks, then every six months. Then every year to, de to, to detect whether she still has the same condition because sometimes with this fiber or this molar conditions we might remove one after a few months it might still come back in any question on the on second trimester in third trimester baby is already well formed with all the major organs available in third trimester now, when there's a when there's a bleeding in third trimester, what comes to our mind is placenta problem, and there are three different placenta problems. We have placenta abruption. We have the first one, placenta abruption. We have placenta what? Previa. And what's the last one? We have vasa previa. These are the three most common reasons or causes that we're going to have bleeding in third trimester. I did not say only. I said the three most common conditions that are going to cause us to have bleeding in the third trimester of pregnancy would be uh, placenta previa, a brochure, and vasa placenta. Now, each one of these conditions have uh it has different symptoms it has different management for the placenta previa okay let's start with abruption for the abruption placenta um it is what we refer to as the premature placenta separation from the uterus so for the placenta abruption um the placenta is separated normally 
personal should not should not be ready before before delivery. So that's why after delivery, the last stage of delivery is the person that delivery. So at that point in time, the person that will detach. Sometimes it takes up to five minutes after delivery of the baby to have person that detachment before it's delivered. Now, but in the case of person that previa, in the case of person that abrupt show. Now I want I want I want also to, 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 to listen to these words. Abrupt show. It happened abruptly. Meaning it happened. Um there is a premature. Let me say what premature. There's a premature placenta detachment from the uterus. From the uterus. From the uterus. That's what we refer to as placenta abrupt show. There is a premature, there's an abrupt placenta separation from the uterus in pregnancy. That's what happened in the case of a placenta uh, abruption. Now, in this situation, um, this can occur sometime as early as 20 weeks of pregnancy. It happens sometime early, early as 20 weeks of pregnancy. It, it happened during that time. But more often, we see this occurring in the third trimester of pregnancy. I want, us, I want us to know that. Now, it is important that uh, we know that this has significant maternal and fetal conditions that will lead to sickness or death. It is one of the leading causes of maternal or fetal death during pregnancy. This placenta abruption. Um, it will lead to serious bleeding problem. Not just bleeding problem, it is the leading cause for a condition called DIC. DIC is a serious clotting problem that causes the blood in the maternal circulation uh, in the in the in the system to clot and form bubbles or not or form some or uh, crystal like or or how can I call them? Uh, they form like a knot that will move around in the system like like small nodules they're going to form a pattern and that can cause us to have a uh, problem that, that, can, that can cause death because those are clots it will form clot let me use the word clot so DRC arises when we have pre uh, placenta abruption it leads to DIC which is what we call the simulated intravascular coagulation for DIC that's why it is very much important to detect these symptoms very early to put in measure that will prevent its complications. Question? Now, um, when we have this condition, placenta abruption, there will be a sudden onset of intense localized uterine pain with dark red vaginal bleeding. There will be intense localized pains and there will be dark red vaginal bleeding in this situation. There will be dark red. Now, we got to understand the symptoms. There will be dark red, dark red vaginal bleeding with placenta abruption. Dark red vaginal bleeding. I'm going to use the red pen to red over the brown to ensure that we are having a dark red vaginal bleeding for the placenta abruption.
That's what happened in here. Now, we're also going to experience blunt external, uh, oh, sorry, we're also going to experience pain in over our uterus, like a board, like someone will palpate the uterus, there'll be severe pains and there'll be uh, blooding of the uterus with this condition. We're also going to have contraction that will come in and we'll have fetal distress and then we'll have hypervolemic shock. So, this, so um, all this can kill people, can kill the woman, they, uh, they, they can kill the pregnant woman or the, or the fetus. You have anemia. You're gonna have shock, hypovolemic shock, which you have decreased blood pressure, and you might have DRC, which is even the worst. This is an emergency. So DRC is a medical emergency when you when, when you are in this situation. It's gonna cause blood clot, and when blood clots in here and move towards the lungs, you're gonna have pulmonary embolism, which can kill you instantly. It goes towards the brain. You're gonna have stroke, which can also kill you or cause you to have some complication. So these are things we're gonna have. Um, then now, uh, in this in this in this situation, we wanna do hemoglobin and hematocrits, which can detect the blood level when we having when we are exposed to anemia. We wanna also do cross and type matching. Why at this stage? Because we need to do cross and type matching to uh, to do possible transfusion. Due to the blood loss, we we have, we have to go and do that. Um, we have to also look at um, we we'll do clotting uh, uh, test. We we'll do test for DIC. We we'll do we we'll do the clear higher blood test. Now the clear higher blood test, like I said, what does it do? We we'll do the clear higher blood test. What does the clear higher blood test? Uh, uh, do for us the clear higher back test. And this is why, 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 why we won't do the clear higher back test. What are we? What's what's the importance of doing the clear higher? I do we started the class. Clear higher. Okay. So no longer there's any fetal blood. Circulating into the mother circulation, uh, uh, into the mother system. So the clear higher back test determines or detects fetal blood into the maternal circulation. That's all. I, that's all I needed from you. We can do ultrasound. We can do biophysical profile. When we do biophysical profile, what are we checking for? When we do biophysical profile, BPP. What are we talking about in this in this uh, situation? Someone tell me. When we do the BPP, what are we checking for? Uh, to, to determine the fetal heart. What fetal heart? What are we talking fetal heart in this situation? We're going to read this material every time we do to read it. We said there are two things that determine fetal well-being. One was BPP. We said that it determines the fetal well-being. It has five variables. One, it has the fetal heart rate, fetal breath rate, 
the fetal body movement. It has the fetal or uh, the amniotic fluid, uh, the amniotic fluid location. Uh, how you call it? The quantity of, um, um, of amniotic fluid. And it also has. Uh, it also has one more thing. It has. Um, it has five. I think uh, the quality of the amniotic fluid. So it look. It looks. It looks at five domains. Five variable. This BPP. And when it's positive, we'll have for each of the five. It will be two. If it's negative, it will be zero. When we add everything, we should have 10. And we said between 8 to 10, meaning there is there is there is uh less threat. When it's 10, it's normal. When it's between 8 to 10, there is less threat. When it's between 6 to 1, when it's between 6 to 8, there is there are think moderate. When it's between uh 4 to 6, there is uh there is more asphyxiation or there is uh there is severe. When it's less than four, it's not good at all. So we have all these things. When you look at these things, every time we come look at these things, when you leave, you want to look at you want to look them up again. Because guess what? Now you look at yesterday, you, 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 you did not remember more. You left. Now today we are on new things. Tomorrow we'll have new things. And then the more these things are piled up, you don't want to have the time to look at them. And then you say, okay, I'm done with the study, but you are not done. In a sense, because you did not rehearse these things. So when you do a class, I always said this: you do a class, rehearse the class from the book, do question on the class. Then it helps you to remember everything done for that day. If you don't do it like that, you're not going to get anything from this class. We have the next one to be placenta previa. Placenta previa. Now this name, these names depict what is happening exactly. In placenta previa, um, it occurs when the placenta abnormally implants into the lower segment of the uterus over the cervical os. That's what happening in here. So the placenta will will get implanted where it is not supposed to be. That's why we say it will get implanted in a location that is not normally there for real. So it's going to get to a place, it starts to grow to a place that is not supposed to grow. So this will cause placenta previa. Now in placenta previa, normally when you do the PV, um, the baby, the baby should be, should come before the placenta. Now in the case of, in the, in the case of placenta previa, um, when you do the PV, you'll be touching the placenta itself. So that's so that cervical os is the cervical opening is where the placenta is going to grow. So that's what they call the placenta previa. So this is this is the uterus, and this is the cervical os right here. Now in this cervical os, when we do the PV, um, the baby will be in here. This this is the baby in here, and by right, matter of fact, the placenta should grow to the to the distal segment. Of this of the uterus it should be somewhere around here but in the case of a standard previa it grows somewhere here it cover off this cervical os so when you do the pv your hand will touch the person instead of touching the body part of the fetus because it coming before it coming here to me is pre coming or prematurely coming that become what we call that previa and abruption is the word abrupt show it means it happens abruptly meaning the placenta is detached from the uterus abruptly. In previa, it is it is growing 
where it is not supposed to grow next to the cervical host. Now, so in this situation, uh, we, we this occurs most often in the third trimester of pregnancy, and once the cervix begin to dilate and efface, that's when we do this. What's happening? Because in third trimester, the cervix will get to start to get dilate when you are moving towards uh, giving birth. Now we sort of see that around there. There'll be effacing the occurring. So the child must efface. That's one of the areas that we'll have to go through before the before, before delivery. Effacement. So we'll have effacement occurring. Then we'll know that the child is having the, the pregnancy is having placenta previa problem. Now there are three types of placenta previa. I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned about what to know the symptoms. That's what the infant wants you, wants you to know. But the three tests are, for the sake of the class, we have the complete or the the total previa that cover the entire the, the entire cervical host. That's step one. Step two, we have incomplete or partial, meaning it covers the entire cervical host partially. There is there is still a space that we can go in and pass by the side and still feel the baby. That becomes incomplete or partial previa. Then we have marginal. The marginal is like a, it is attached, not where it's supposed to be attached, but rather at the lower segment, at the lower margin of the uterus. So there are three types, but I'm concerned about you knowing the symptoms for this condition. Now, in placenta previa, there is one thing that we define it by, a spinless. There is painless bleeding. In placenta abrasion, there is pain. So in placenta previa, is painless. So we have triple P, 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 P. Placenta previa, painless. In this situation. Now, so there is triple P in here. Placenta previa, painless. So we're going to have a painless, bright, rare blood. Painless, bright, rare blood in here. Because in placenta abrasion, there is a what? A dark bleeding coming, coming, a dark blood. In previa, it is a bright rare because the bleeding is occurring and coming out directly. If you have the cell, if you have the, the if you have the uterus in this format, and the person that covers this area here, when there is bleeding, the bleeding comes out directly. So that blood that comes out in person that is not even mixed, it is a fresh red blood. That's why it is called the bright rare and painless bleeding. That's going to occur in placenta previa condition. Now, under here, um, we can have uh, we're going to have the fundal height will appear larger than its expected height or the expected gestational age. We measure the fundus height, and the amount of centimeter in fundal height tells us the amount of weight. If we measure the fundal height, if it is sixteen centimeter. Meaning the pregnancy is 16 weeks, is 16 weeks. So the fundal height is equal to the pregnancy age or the gestational age. In the case of a standard previa, the fundal height will be um, larger than the age. We might have 22, but the, 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 the female is still at 16 weeks of pregnancy. That might happen in the case of a standard previa. We're also going to have, uh, we're going to have, uh, the feta might be bridge, we might have bridge feta or oblique feta or transverse position 
we might have reassuring fetal heart rate, vital signs will be in normal range. There will be decreased urinary output um, with blood loss. We can go ahead and do HGB, the hemoglobin and the hematocrit, HCT. We can do the CBC. We can do the blood type and RH compatibility. We can do tests to, to check for coagulation study to determine DIC. And we can do the clear higher back test again. So these tests will be done by the patient. We make sure we assess for bleeding, for leakage or contraction. We assess the fundus height, perform Leopold's maneuver. You can check this up. We perform Leopold's maneuver. Leopold's maneuver. Because if the child is in oblique position, transverse, what will do Leopold's maneuver to manually turn the baby in a better position. Um, we can go ahead and do, uh, we can administer IV fluids. We should refrain from performing vaginal examination, which will only exacerbate bleeding. We can go ahead and have O2 equipment available at the bedside, just in case there is a fetal distress. We, we, we encourage bare rest and we should insert nothing vaginally. We should not do any vaginal examination during this procedure. Any question? So the, uh, the last one become Vasa Previa. Vasa Previa. Vasa Previa. Now, in vasa previa, um, it is a condition when the fetal umbilical vessels implant into the fetal membrane. That's what we call vasa previa. So the fetal umbilical cord, the fetal umbilical vessel gets implanted into the fetal membrane. Normally, the umbilical vessels, it contains three veins or three vessels, right? It contains two artery, one vein. Two AV is the formula for fetal umbilical cord. It has two arteries, it has one vein. Now, these three vessels, because two plus one is three, right? The three vessels should normally implant. They should be implanted into the placenta. In the case of placenta previa, it wouldn't implant in here, but rather it will implant into the fetal wall. Into the fetal wall. That's what we call placenta previa. Uh, uh, vasa, vasa placenta. There are different areas. There are three different areas that are going to occur there. But I'm not concerned about those things because the angler will not ask you those areas for those, for those areas. But there are three different areas that are going to get implanted. With this condition, we can do ultrasound to detect the fetal well-being. We can do vessel assessment. We can do biophysical profile besides BPP what other tests can we do to, can we do, do to detect fetal well-being the non-stress test the what non-stress test non-stress non-stress test NST yeah. all right so those two tests can be done to detect the fetal well-being any question on these problems so look up touch infection 
Um, Hello? Is it T-O-R-O-C-H? Yeah, T-O-R-O-C-H, touch infection. Those are five different infections that, the court, uh, that are called touch infection in short. You have toxoplasmosis for T. Uh, you have rubella for R. C, you have cytomegalovirus. And H for herpes simplex. So you have toxoplasmosis and other infection, T-O. R stands for rubella, R-U-B-E-L-L-A. Uh, rubella virus. The C stands for cytomegalovirus, C-Y-T-O-M-E-G-A-L-O-V-I-R-U-S. And you have the H, which stands for herpes, herpes simplex infections. So these are four different infections that we call the TOSH infection. Now, this infection, they are found in your book. They can be found in the ATR, in the Sanders, and you can also find them online. You want to make sure to know the question again for these conditions. The symptom for these conditions and what tests can we do to detect this condition and at what time of pregnancy this test is supposed to be done to determine that the patient has it or the patient is clear from them. Then you look at the group B strep infection, group B strep infection. The group B strep, you all also know what is it, what time can can this be done in pregnancy? For example, this can be done between 35th and 37th week of pregnancy. So you look at the timing for all the other for, for all the other ones. Look up chlamydia infection. Chlamydia, chlamydia infection. That's one. That's, that's another one. And uh, so we have a touch infection. Group B strep infection, trichomoniasis, chlamydia infection, gonorrhea, syphilis, uh, HPV, and we have uh, bacteria vaginosis. Bacteria vaginosis, vaginosis, and we have lastly, we have uh, candidiasis. Candidiasis. These are the conditions I want you to look at, candidiasis. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different infections. Just note what they are, the symptoms, and uh, when can this test be done when, a, when someone is pregnant. That's all.